Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. And today we're going to talk about reducing stress as I am joined by international energetic best-selling author, Phil Barth. In 2015, Phil suffered a heart attack and his doctor told him that he needed to change his diet, exercise, and lower his stress level. Phil has written a book and he has published a daily list that we're going to be talking about. Phil was also in 2003 on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? So we're going to be talking to him about that as well. So thank you so much for joining me today, Phil. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. Why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Okay, so let, let's start with the, the worst one first. Uh, 2015, I suffered a heart attack, and I was I was uh, a little surprised because I didn't think people that young were supposed to have a heart attack, but I had actually a couple months before talked to a friend of mine about the same age, and he was telling me about his heart attack, and, and neither one of us were, you know, in, in uh, ultra marathon or shape or anything, but but we were both in okay shape, and, and neither of us were smokers and so on, but, when, but he kind of set me up, right, in, in, in that he told me all the symptoms. So when I had the heart attack, it wasn't a complete shock. All right. What happened next was the doctor said, you know, you need to manage your stress. I stress causes a lot of problems. And I just, you know, talking with you, looking at you, you're not managing your stress. And I didn't think, you know, I, I thought heart attacks were just reserved for people who had bad diets, poor exercise, et cetera. But it turns out that I learned a lot about stress in that time frame. And, and, and that's what caused my heart attack. So after that, um, you know, I had the recovery period. And then about, I don't know, six months later, my wife and son and I took a day and we went to the zoo. You know, she said, you need to take some time off because you promised the doctor you would. And I did it in front of my wife. So I knew I had to follow through. But she said, you need to, we're going to go to the zoo today and the art museum tomorrow and take a little time off. So at the end of the day, I got on Facebook and I said, here were the great things that happened today. And I listed all the cool things we saw at the zoo, you know, baby cheetahs and gorillas and so on. And, and I felt better. So the next day we went to the art museum and I tried the same thing. You know, I got, I got a bunch of likes on Facebook and and everybody wants to get likes on Facebook. And and so I did, and, and I published it again. And as I kept doing this, I noticed that I kept finding more great things that were happening in my life and and finding those things and appreciating them was lowering my stress. And so I decided to see how long I could keep going. And that was 2015 and I'm still going. And and so, yeah, I I know your podcast is called living the dream. And I think part of part of living the dream is just realizing how many good things you got going around you. And, And so when I did that, it lowered my stress and it made my life better. And I realized, you know, I, I am living the dream. And 
from there, my stress has gotten better and my heart has gotten healthier and I've just been feeling better. Well, what, what kind of things that, that were stressing you out, do, do you think that contributed to your health issues? Like what, what kind of stress were you facing? So, was it work related or? Yeah. Yeah. It was mostly work related. Um, I'm trying to, I'm doing the math in my head. I think, I think we still had a teenager or two in the house at 2015 and that can, you can get stressed about that. Uh, most of it was work related, but the, the truth of the matter is most of it was stress. I was putting back on myself, right? Yeah. The stress isn't in what happens, isn't in what happens to you. It's in how you react to what happens to you. So I was, I was thinking I could solve all the world's problem. I was taking everything on myself, you know, never saying no to things that I shouldn't be doing and, and then getting, beating up myself when I couldn't get everything done after overcommitting myself. So, you know, taking a lot of things too seriously, overloading my plate, all of those things. And, and the other thing I was doing was, you know, you look at things that are outside of your control but you still worry about them. You still stress out about them. And, and you still, you know, you, you got to ask yourself if something bad is happening in the world, in life, whatever, do I have any control in it, over it? I can control how I react to it, but do I really have any control to change things? Because if I don't, I need to focus my effort elsewhere. Right. Absolutely. Right. So let's talk about your, daily routine what what kind of uh, daily routine do you do to get into a low stress mind frame okay so every morning when i get up uh, i i started getting up a little earlier and taking some time for myself and what i call it is i call it the abcd of stress management so a stands for some affirmations you know uh i i am going to take a genuine interest in people today. I am going to make someone laugh today. I, I have different affirmations just that, that pop up. And so I, I can, it, it's not repeating the same mantra every day, but it's different things. So that that's a, that's affirmations. B is I like to read a book because I know if I don't read something first thing in the morning, I probably won't get to it the rest of the day. I read the Bible first thing in the morning. You know, if, if you read the Bible, that's fine. If you want to read something else, that's fine too. But just read something that will inspire you, uplift you, put you in the right main mindset. So that's B. C is a cup of coffee. Um, my, my doctor told me I could have one to two cups of coffee a day. This was my cardiologist after the heart attack. And so when you can only have one or two, you make sure you enjoy that one or two cups of coffee a day. And then D is dogs. We we have two dogs. And when we get up in the morning, when I get up in the morning, they're just so happy to see you. And and so it's all about gratitude, right? And and I think dogs are the most grateful creatures on earth. You know, you, they see you and they it's you know it's been what eight hours since they last saw you and it's just like that you're you're long you are their long lost friend and and then they eat dog food and they're grateful about that. I mean dogs just prime you for gratitude. So it's, it's, 
I call it ABCD, but the truth of it is it's DCBA because the dogs aren't going to let me rest until I pay attention to them and play with them. And then the cup of coffee is ready to go. And then I read and then I, I start with some affirmations. And all of that takes 20 minutes, maybe. And it just starts me off on the right foot for the day. What would you say would be the number one method for people who want to lower stress? Gratitude. Whatever it takes to get gratitude. Yeah, you have to look around and you have to say, you know, and and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that every day something great happens, uh, that that there are wonderful things. Uh, Zig Ziglar once said that all all sunshine and no rain puts you in the desert. So there are going to be bad days, but a, a lot of days can go either way. Right. So it could be a good day. It could be a bad day. And it's what you find in that day that, that makes it good. And, and the other thing I would tell people is once you start looking for what's good in your life, it will start finding you. So as I practiced finding what was good and writing this post on social media, great things happen every day. The more I looked, the easier it became to find things. You know, there was in 1957, I believe it was, Scientific American wrote this article, magazine wrote this article about uh, the, it's called the brain's reticular activation system. And, and basically what it proved, what it, what it said was, whatever you subconsciously program your mind for, you're going to find. So if you buy a new car, all of a sudden you're going to be amazed at how many other people are driving the exact same car or, or whatever it is, whatever you think about, you're, you're training your subconscious mind to find it. And I didn't realize that when I started writing the great things happen post, but that's exactly what happened. You know, the first few days it was like, uh, well, the first few days we're on vacation. We're, we're going to places like the art museum and the zoo. So those were easy. But when I got back to work, I thought it's going to be a little more difficult. But when I started to think about it, there were things around me, all around me that were really great things. And so the more I found them, I started focusing on them. So you're going to, your mind is going to give you what you focus on. And so why not focus on what's good in life? Well, is there a certain kind of music that, that, that you recommend? I know you recommended the Bible as, as your favorite book to read, but what about music? Is there a certain yeah. type of music person can listen to the lower stress? Um, so it's whatever, whatever you like it, 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 And again, with the Bible that, that works for me, that may not work for the listeners. It may be, it may be a, a completely different book. Um, and, and for me, I love all kinds of music. So yeah, if you looked at my, uh, my Apple playlist, it's, it runs the, the gauntlet. Um, I definitely recommend music. And if it's music from your childhood, that's tied to a, a happy memory, that's the best. And, and I'll give you an example. In 2019, my dad passed away. He'd, he'd been ill for a very long time, and he, he passed away in 2019. And so we had the funeral, and the, the next day I had to get up first thing in the morning. You know, So funeral, come home, go to bed. Next day, first thing in the morning to catch a flight all the way to Canada. So it was three flights to uh, northwestern part of Canada. And so I didn't really think much about it because I'm busy catching planes and, and, and flying on airplanes and so on. Well, the next morning, you know, I'm in the Pacific time zone. So I wake up about four in the morning and I started thinking, oh man, I, you know, now it's really hitting me. 
I'm missing my dad and, and this is kind of stressful. And, and I know it's four in the morning here, but it's eight in the morning, my time. And what am I going to do? And so what I did was I went down to the, the exercise room in the hotel and I just got on the treadmill and I put in my earbuds and I said, I, I told my, I put on Apple music and I put on Waylon Jennings country and Western music. I'm not a big fan of country and Western music, but by putting on Waylon Jennings, what that did was it took me back to a time when mom and dad and my brother and I were driving to Florida and dad loved listening to Waylon Jennings. So by listening to that, it kind of cut down my stress and put me back in a good time. You know, dad was still gone, but at least now I'm not remembering him as he was at the end. I'm remembering him back when I was a teenager and he was in his thirties and we were driving to Disney world. Right. So it's whatever music that takes you back to a good time, whether it be, you know, a, a dancing with your spouse or, or driving on vacation or something like that. No particular genre necessarily. It's just, it, it's almost like, you know, it, when you hear it, it's like, oh, I remember that song. It takes me back to here. And it puts you in that better place. So tell us about that great book of yours. <laughs> okay. So uh, we got we to be clear here. It is not a best selling book per se. I, I call it a best sort of selling book. And, and I'll get to why here in a second. The book was called or is called Great Things Happen Every Day. Now, they, it's not every single day, and that's explained in the book. But what I did was I went into Facebook. This was after doing this for about three years. And I took the best of the, the, the column that said, here are the great things that happened. Here are the great things that happened and so on. And I took the best of them and organized them by theme. So some of them were around our annual family vacation with my in-laws. Some of them were around uh, the holidays. And some of them were just recipes that my wife and I uh, cooked together and, and things like that. So I organized it that way. All right. And, and then I put an introduction to it and a conclusion. And here's what I learned kind of thing. Well, when we released it, it started off as a Kindle book on Amazon. In the first five days, it was free. And, and we put out some notes on the various social media sites and on Reddit and so on. And on the in those first five days, it went it sold thousands of copies for, for free, right? Let's be clear, for free. So it went to number one on the Kindle bestseller list for stress management books that were on Kindle and that were free. So my, my question that I asked myself was, if I sold thousands of copies, but made $0, is that really a sale? And, and, and can it really be called a bestseller? Because, you know, Kindle says it's a bestseller, but my bank says it's not. So what I, what I finally said was, I'm going to call it a best sort of selling book. Now, it, it, that's kind of humorous, but the point is, I never meant for it to become a, a Pulitzer Prize winning million book selling type of deal. I was just trying to put something out there that would help people. And the feedback I've received from people who got the book is it has helped them. It has helped them by, by seeing how you can look for the, the little, sometimes very little things that are going well in your life. It, when you train yourself to do that, it lowers your stress and it has helped people lower, lower their stress. And that's what it's all about. I'm just trying to get people to 
see how good their life really is and lower their stress. So uh, it, if you go to philbarthbooks.com, it will take you to the Amazon book where you can get it. Or you can go to Amazon and search on great things happen every day and it should should uh, show up there as well. Okay, so tell us about your experience in 2003 on the game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Tell us oh, how yeah. you got there. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, so it, it aired in 2003. That's right. So 1998, I, uh, I, I watched the very first episode. I was on the road for business, and I turned on the TV, and, and I remembered reading an article that they were going to have a new they're, – they're bringing over a British game show called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire – to American TV. And so I started watching it and I, and I looked at it and I said, you know, this is this one I could do jeopardy. You have to actually know the answers. There's no multiple choice options for you. And I tend to be able to pick out the, the, the correct answer if given four of them a lot of times, whereas I may not be able to come up with it on my own, if that makes sense. So I didn't think much about it. I, I just started watching. I was just watching it. But then at the end of the game, they said, if you want to be a contestant on this show, just dial the number. And, and they had an audition number. And what would happen is you would dial in and you would have uh, three different questions. And if you got them all right, then they would put you into a pool. And from that pool, they would choose 10 people to be on a future episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Now, to be clear, that was 10 people out of the 200,000 people that were dialing in every night. So the odds were kind of not in my favor, right? But I kept calling. Every day I kept calling. I just, I kept mentally saying, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Well, I never made it on the phone audition piece. So what I did was I, I started later, they, they moved to auditions in various cities. So I auditioned in Chicago and I failed. And then about a month later, I auditioned in Indianapolis and I failed. Now, the audition process was they, they would give you a piece of paper or I'm sorry, a multiple choice test. And, and so you would fill out the multiple choice test. And if you got a certain number, you would pass. Well, the questions on the multiple choice test were always taken from prior um, prior shows. And I watched every single show so I could always get the multiple choice right. But then what they would do is they would give you a, a an application form with a bunch of questions on it and a number two pencil, and you would write down your answers. And then the producers would interview you based on your answers, and you would either pass or fail. And, and so I failed twice, and I took some time off and started investigating what are they really looking for? when they interview you. And, and the answer isn't how smart you are, how cute you are, how funny you are, any of that. The answer is they are looking for someone who, if, if you are familiar with the show, who wants to be a millionaire, you know, they, they ask questions, but in between the questions, they want some sort of story that you can tell the host, Regis Philbin back in the day, Meredith Vieira later, but you can, the, the, the host can ask you about that story. You can tell them this kind of funny, cute, human interest story and get the audience to all go, oh, that's a great story before they go to the before they go to the next question. Well, once I got that piece of information, the next thing I learned was just because they give you a number two pencil to fill out the application form doesn't mean that's what you need to use. 
So I got another audition in Cleveland and I went up there and I brought along with me a four color pen, a highlighter, a red thick point marker and, and plus their pencil. So what I did was I filled it out and I found my little human interest story and I put that in red and I circled it so that when I introduced, when I was interviewed by the producer, their eyes were naturally drawn to that story that they could see me sitting across from Meredith Vieira and telling. And, and the story was when I started watching who wants to be a millionaire, my young, my son, who was about five years old at the time was watching with me. And, and if you remember on millionaire there, it's always, here's the next contestant in the hot seat, in the hot seat. And they kept talking about being in the hot seat. Well, my five-year-old took it very literally. And he said, daddy, how hot did they make that hot seat? Well, that was the story that got me on the show. And, and, you know, I put that in the way they could find it. And what happened next was I, I got a card in the mail that said, Hey, you are in the contestant pool for who wants to be a millionaire. So from then until the recording date, I just studied every bit of trivia I could possibly study because you don't know what they're going to ask you. You just know that you're going to have to come up with an answer. And so did that. And ultimately I won $32,000 because I, because I, I had that dream. I, I, and I lived it. I mean, I, before I ever got into that hot seat, I was mentally in that studio, in that hot seat, playing that game probably hundreds of times in my head. So, and that's important because once you get there, you really don't want to get freaked out by, by it. And, and, you know, it's, it's real money. Right. So I, I felt like when I finally got to sit down in the hot seat across from Meredith Vieira and play the game, it's like, I've been here before in my head. Hey, well, congratulations on that. It was, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you know, when I got there, I was like, I, no matter what happens here, win, lose, or or, or make a million, I, this is just an incredible experience. And I, I thought like that. Now, I will tell you that if I had gone home with zero dollars, I'm not so sure I would be saying that right now. You know, to be fair, the fact that I won some money made it a much better experience. Absolutely. Do you have any current or upcoming projects that you're working on that people need to know about? So I, um, <laughs> so this is, this is going to sound odd as something I'm excited about, but my next project on November 11th, and, and it may be in the past by the time this is aired, I don't know, is I'm getting a hip replacement. So, um, and that, that sounds odd, but I, I, to be excited about, but in 2007, I was training for a triathlon and I was riding a bike and I fell off and, and we went through x-rays and therapies and so on, fell off and landed on my left hip. And, and I didn't think much more about it, but for about five years now, I've had, I've, I've felt the effects of degenerative arthritis. And so come November 11th, I'm, I'm getting a, a hip replacement, which like I said, I'm excited about because everything, it, number one, it's all outpatient. And so I will be home the very day that they, they do it. And then you go through the therapy and you're recovered. And everybody I've talked to says you will feel so much better and, and you won't be walking with a limp anymore. So any other projects are kind of on hold, but 
honestly, I am excited about getting this, getting the 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 limping and and you know things that I've been through over the last couple of years behind me, and getting back out there to do, you know, to to be able to walk, run, whatever I need to do, whatever I want to do. So. Well, that's definitely a, a unique project. Most people talk <laughs> about their books, their podcasts, but hey, now we got a hip replacement. Wonder what I, we're gonna have next. Yeah, well, and then there will be a book afterwards. But right now, I'm just I'm focused on wrapping everything up so that I can do that. Heal. It, you. It takes about six weeks to heal. Enjoy the holidays with my family, and I will be writing great things that that happened every day throughout, and, and keep doing that. And then come 2023, I'm planning on being back better than ever. So listeners, if you need a hip replacement, contact Phil. Absolutely. I can tell you all about it. I can recommend a doctor. I can tell you about the recovery. In fact, if you hit me up on the socials, you'll probably see the whole story of what's going on. Because, because you know, if, if you just heard for the first time a hip replacement, you think, oh my gosh, that's horrible. But having done some investigation it's we we live in a time, and again, this is why I'm so excited and able to find great things that happen. We live in a time right now where you can go in, not even in the hospital, outpatient, a robot does everything, it's all programmed, and and by the end of the day, you're back home. You, you start the recovery, but it's just amazing when you think about that versus 20, 40, 60 years ago and, and what life would have been like. Absolutely. Go ahead and throw out that contact information where All people right. can get in touch with you and learn about those hip replacements. So the, the first place that, to go is www.philbarth.com. That will take you to my website. That will link. You can link over to my YouTube channel and my Facebook uh, and, and LinkedIn. I'm on, on all of those. Uh, if you don't go to the website, it's uh, Phil Barth, Cincinnati, Ohio for either Facebook or LinkedIn, we'll send you right over there. Uh, and I, I tend to post the, you know, where you want to, if you're going to want to find the great things that are happening in life, then, then that's on Facebook. If you want to hear more about the great things that are happening in, in business and in my speaking career, that'll be on LinkedIn. Perfect. Close us out with some final thoughts, maybe something that I failed to touch on that you would like to talk about or just any final thoughts you have for the listeners. So I'm going to tell you, when I saw the name of the podcast, Living the Dream, I thought, I want to talk on this podcast. I, I want to talk to Curtis's audience because anybody who's talking about living the dream, it, we're on the same page because living in the, in the time that we now live in and in the place that we now live in, we are living the dream. We have won the time lottery and the place lottery. And I know there are a lot of, there's a lot of negativity in life, but you need to shut that out and just realize what a great time we live in and, and what a great country we live in and just step outside, it, see the beauty of everything all around you, enjoy it and start, start lowering your stress and living the dream. Absolutely, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to know more about Phil Barth, go to philbarth.com. Please be sure to follow, rate, review, share this episode to as many people as possible. As many people who want to or need to learn about lowering stress and hip replacements. Phil, thank <laughs> you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Grateful for what you do. 
For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.